0: Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipstone, and today is our third episode in our limited series called Explain This Book To Me. Today I'm joined by the author of the book, Customer Services Just Foreplay, The Modern Customer Experience Will Separate You From Your Competition, Jason Cass. Welcome back to the podcast, Jason. Are you excited to talk with the loyal listeners again today?
1: always excited to talk with the little listeners and I'm telling you I'm loving what we're doing here. I'm loving your whole platform for this. Um it's so good. It's it's good because you know so far after doing a couple of these Josh, you're doing a fantastic job. You really have a uh, a really um, keen I can't I don't want to say I because that's what we would say if you but you you've got a good voice and uh, you have a very good way of delivering the message and it's always just fun for someone like me to Kind of talk about the book especially five years later so thank you man enjoying this
0: of course yeah i'm very excited this is a this has been a great learning experience for me and hopefully the loyal listeners are going to get something out of it and be able to show people that just because something was done a few years ago whether it was five years ago 10 25 years ago that it's still relevant today. That you don't always mm-hmm. have to find that new shiny object. That so many people will sometimes chase. That there are the basics, um, whether it's insurance or other things in your life, that you need to have kind of in your quiver and be able to to stand and be able to be
1: successful. You can either chase the shiny things or you can get rid of the dull things. My buddy Billy Williams says, sometimes when we come to a convention, we're so worried about that one thing we're gonna find and take back. Mm -hmm. In all reality, we should listen to others and find that one thing in our office we need to stop doing.
0: Interesting. Very good words from Dr. Billy Williams. Mm -hmm. All right, well, for loyal listeners, If you haven't uh, heard the past couple episodes, make sure you go back um, to the first one because you'll be a little lost. Uh, But we're moving into section one. And this is one of my favorite quotes that you have in the book, which is, if we bring the customer of today into the agency of yesterday, we will have no tomorrow.
1: That's exactly right. That is exactly right i can almost tell you exactly where i was i was in san antonio texas um and i was walking along the board lock, the boardwalk and i know this is crazy because this is how Cass is i was thinking about san antonio and how it had continued to be such a great city with some old architecture mm-hmm. and it was great because they were able to do that people were coming to see what it was like before they were enjoying themselves now mm-hmm. and they were going to be continuing to do that into the future based on past things that had happened. And I started to think about how that wasn't in an insurance. And that's when I realized that we weren't like San Antonio. We, we, we are not history, mm-hmm. right? We make ourselves history, mm-hmm. um, but we're, we're not, we can't do what these cities do. We have to constantly be building new things that people are looking forward to. And if we don't, no, one's going to be a tourist in our office that's where that's, that's where it came from wow
0: well that's a great story i've been to san antonio once nice place i love it all right so next chapter in the book chapter four is agency management systems that foster customer experience so to me when i think of an ams i think of it as the lifeblood of an agency Mm-hmm. And for the agencies that still in 2020, not even 2015, but in 2020, that don't have an AMS, I honestly don't know how they function.
1: It blows my mind. Excel spreadsheets, I can, I don't get it.
0: No. I mean, there there's no way that you can run download, which is another si- situation. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but it's just mind-blowing to me. Now, you've used QQ Catalyst. They were in the book. Um, I know you're currently on them, but you are moving um, to a new one. Now you correct. almost moved to tech TechCanary. Um, mm-hmm. We won't rehash that history and drag them through the mud, um, whether it's warranted or not, uh, but- Very well said. Yeah, uh, a lot of people were uh, surprised and upset with that. Um, but Veruna uh, built on Salesforce, which again, we've talked about Salesforce before, in the last podcast how is that move going to Varuna are you guys almost live are you testing it how are things going with that transition right now for you
1: depending on when you're listening to this we go live July 13th so I'm pretty sure you won't if you're loyal your loyal listeners won't be listening to this unless till at least till July 1st so it's probably somewhere right around this and um, goes back to what we said. Mm -hmm. I believe in Salesforce because I think it's a great platform that allows people to connect things. That's that's what I like. So um, whenever I was speaking inside of, which we will talk about at the end of this book, which is the great separator, which I consider to be part two of this, I had a vision in my head as I was creating the great separator of a certain type of machine that would be able to do something different. Okay, I didn't even really truly know it was a machine. I just Mm -hmm. knew that I had something. I had listened to the experts. I had done my research. I had put it together and I realized this, but I didn't know what it was. But I put it together in a presentation based on some of the things that I think that we would see by using the great separator, some of its functions, the way it would change our agency. I listed out different models of agencies. And a guy by the name of Seth Zaremba was listening to that on Facebook Live. I had never talked to Seth before this, um, not even one time, not on the phone, email, nothing. And Seth called me after I came off the stage. He said, hey, I'm Seth Zaremba, nice to meet you. I want you to know that what I just heard you say, I actually invented and is working in here in, uh, in Ohio. And I was like, really? And literally we sat down talked for 20 more minutes. He told me, he said this, this, and this basically on the main premise that your the revenue from the data of your agency is going to be worth more than the revenue of the insurance commissions that come in and and here's I'll even add since then and it won't even be close interesting so when I said that to him, or when he said that, and we were like, dude, I jumped on a plane immediately, went and saw him, sat in his office for eight hours, watched this thing. So I always like to tell the story that I was sitting in the front seat at, and uh, it's Southwest, it wasn't first class, but I sailed Travis, I said, I don't know if you've realized it, but we actually just experienced transformation, not change, not change. Um, I talk about it somewhere in the book, I believe, or maybe it's came since then, But the difference between the vinyl records, to the eight tracks, to the cassette tapes, to the CDs, those were all changes in the music industry. Once it went to our phone and we could stream it whenever we want or pay 99 cents for it, which we don't even do anymore. You just get the subscription um, for $14 or $15 a month, six of my family members can listen to anything they want at any time. That's less than the cost of a CD probably was in 1998. Mm -hmm. That is a transformation. And so you can't really say anymore, well, how's this stream like? Is it kind of like a CD or is it kind of like a a vinyl record? Wait, 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 no, maybe it's kind of like a cassette tape. That's what we're doing when we ask the question, is Neon a AMS? It's transformation. It's night and day. You you can't say one or the other. It's kind of like this, kind of not like that. And that's what Neon is, is. Neon is a Varuna. Um, which is built on Salesforce. Varuna basically is the policy of this. Okay, so like when you think in your agency management of the policy functions, going to the policy, looking at coverages, you know, uh, exp- expiration dates and stuff—that's what's in Varuna. Everything else is in Neon, but you don't leave Neon to go into Varuna. The way the whole thing is made is—it's is kind of hard to explain, but it's this futuristic it knows what the next question is you need to ask, and it's gonna pull that part of Neon, Salesforce, or Varuna to you. So you don't, think of it not having to say, okay, well first you click here, then you go down to the right bottom corner and you click there. Then you type in this, then you go click here, and that's how you get this. No, that's how we've always been trained in AMS, that's not how my staff's being trained right now. My staff's being trained, when the screen pops up, answer the question. And by the answer, we're going to be able to take you to what else next you need to do. And that's all being tracked. It's really, really phenomenal. But you can't really talk about the difference. So where are we at? Right now, we're in the middle of the migration. um, And we are going to go live July 31st. Trying to be a champion for independent insurance agents, as I always have been and as I always will be because it's given me a life I never expected to have. I will, um, a lot of the agencies, this is something Josh, you probably don't even know. Um, a lot of the agencies that are going live first in this pilot group, I think there's around 16, 17, 18 of us. Most of them are applied or hocks off that are going first because that's where, Varuna uh, Veruna feels the most comfortable in taking on a lot of migrations or uh, data migrations at the same time. So QQ kind of got pushed to the last. Well. Cass is a leader. I mean, Cass would go last, right? Oh. So I said, no, 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 no. They said, Cass, but dude, we need to focus our money that we've raised on this. And I get it. I said, I'll do my own migration. They're like, How are you going to do your own migration? I said, I'll do my own migration. I said, I want to be up near the front, not investing. I because I think my agency is the most qualified. Yeah. We use VAs, we're very high tech. I want to be up around the top. Well, I got, I got moved up to like, Uh, month one, then there's a month two, and then a month three. Each month, there's new waves of pilots that go live. And yeah, so I got moved up right with Zinc. And so now me and Zinc, which if you don't know, that's Seth Zaremba's um, uh, loyal listeners, that's his agency. Uh, We just started data migration and then him and I will be the first ones to go live on Neon July 3rd. 13th. And actually, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying that date, but I think maybe, I don't know. Well, it's out there now, oh. July 13th. But our, right. and, and for the world, so, listeners, so, so, sorry to be long winded no, on no, no. that, but it's neon is where we're going. Right. And I want other people to understand uh, one, one second, Josh. Yeah. I want people to understand that when you think of an AMS system, if you don't have one out there or if you do, think of it as the hub of a wheel. Okay. Everything is kind of connected into it that's the way it's always been now think of the wheel with no spokes and no hub it's just a big round i don't know if that's the best analogy but there it's it's there's no silos in neon there's no this department this is over here is sales this is over here but yet at the same time, my um, uh dashboard and the way it works, Neon, doesn't look the same as the way mine does, which doesn't look the same as the way as my account manager does, because we all use different functions. So I hope I'm just blowing your mind and confusing you. And the reason I am is it's transformation. You can't imagine there being a device that fits in your pocket the size of your hand that can give you the answers to all the questions of the world in less than five seconds. When I told you that in 07, you couldn't fathom that. It was overwhelmingly crazy in your brain. That's what Neon has been for me as I've been doing demos and watching it. It's it's transformation.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that basically, Neon is basically everything that's in chapter four invalidates Mm -hmm. it basically everything that we that that is talked about um Mm -hmm. it's just no longer uh, it's it's a different conversation it's not even the same conversation we had
1: and how I know we're going the right way, Josh, mm-hmm. if you want to throw it on top of this, this is a new um, thing actually that we're bringing right to the loyal listeners. You probably already know about this as you listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how Applied bought Tech canary, so they could have that access to that Salesforce. The most recent announcement that came out this week is uh, Vertifor has now connected with Salesforce. So you yeah. now can use Salesforce, correct? Now they're bringing it in. See, they're starting to see this. Now, some of this stuff, I was in some meetings where I was told There's about seven other main people that are going to get in on the Salesforce thing that was in a meeting that was held at Dreamforce last year. So I kind of knew about it, but I was really surprised that Vertifor came on that fast. And there are some others. And so where are they all going? They're all going to Salesforce. So as I talked about in the book five years ago, how Salesforce was going to be something and Steve Anderson had talked about it. Here we are five years later. So sometimes I'm right now my wife, I hope she listens to this. (laughs) Um, so for the oil listeners, we are recording
0: this on June fifth, twenty twenty. So mm-hmm. just to give you an idea. Now, here's one question that I have regarding building this on Salesforce. What happens if Salesforce goes away?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I haven't he- I have heard this. Mm-hmm. So please go search me. I'm but I'm I'm pretty sure I'm close. Um, if you took applied. They are like 4% of Salesforce. Okay. Please go check me, somebody out there. It could be 10, it could be 15%, but I think it's four. Okay. So that kind of helps you because applied in Vertifor by everybody. Mm-hmm. So if you had all the management systems come together to try and buy one place, they still couldn't do it. Is somebody going to buy Salesforce? I don't know, you know, if you'd ask Travis Etheridge or, or Christopher Cook, they have an ongoing battle about who's better, Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce, or Elon Musk. Um, it's a really, really funny thing. Side note, if you ever talk to them about that, ask them about that. It's so funny, but uh, they, they really go at each other on this. And I, the reason I say that is I just, there could always be somebody by somebody, but what software company would buy Salesforce? And if they did, they would be an idiot to absolutely change it. If you ask a developer, And developers are probably listening to this they will tell you that salesforce is not the best platform out there there's another one out there it starts with a d it's like i'm messing it up but it's like detrex or some some weird name and marcus hayes told me about it and then i asked brad fuller with the ceo of lightspeed voice and they were giving me a download about it and they told me that's where they think that it should be built because be honest with you it's more open from what i am hearing cause salesforce is becoming more commercially right it's becoming more mcdonald's like it's it's they have their set thing and you can't go outside of it as much but anyway so yes i um i am not worried about somebody buying it and if they are they'd be an absolute crazy fool to take it what about someone buying varuna right oh yeah what about someone buying varuna first of all in 12 to 18 to 24 months this is jason talking you whatever management system you're on is not going to matter. It's going to hook up with Neon. Okay. So 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 it's like right now you have to have Varuna, but that's not how it's always going to be. And, and Veruna knows that. Veruna is mainly owned by Keystone. Right. That gives me a lot of confidence that Keystone has a vested interest in keeping. Varuna the way that it is, the best is ability. Now, when this probably came out, comes out, they've probably been sold already, Josh, and i look like an idiot. But what I'm saying is, is is, that that's the way that I see it. Keystone has a vested interest because if they give that away to Applied, that's the whole reason why they created their own thing. They don't want to be with those other systems. And so anyways, I, I feel confident in that. Um, and the same thing with Neon. well
0: good. Well, I'm glad that you had mentioned Steve Anderson because he is in this chapter and Steve Anderson, to me, is the foremost leader on AMSs in, Love him. in the industry. Um, I know he's a loyal listener favorite, um, big, big uh, fan of his. He put it in your book this way, and I think it's the best way that you can set him up an AMS. And he said this, agency management systems were created to be policy data management systems, not marketing systems. And I think that is where obviously neon is able to improve upon anything that any AMS, they are able to take and break down those silos, which is another big thing that a friend of the podcast, Marcus Sheridan likes to, likes to talk about breaking down the silos between uh, Mm -hmm. sales and marketing. And for us, it is between an AMS and a marketing system. Now, regarding neon, um, I went back and I listened to a podcast um, that you had done with Sydney Rowe, I believe it was either you did with Sydney Rowe, or it was one that she did on the Beatomic atomic uh, podcast feed where she was talking about neon, I, but I think it was you. Um, okay. And she said, she said something very interesting. The number one question that she gets is not what is neon. But the number one question is, are you guys building an AMS? Mm -hmm. And she talked about how to her, it's a frustrating question, because even though it's a valid question, it is the the agents in the industry have been conditioned by the technology companies, and they've always been stuck in the mindset that the AMS is the technological pinnacle of of the insurance agent. It is the the thing that we all have to have and. She wants everyone to know that there is a different way that you need to think about it, that there needs to be a base system that needs to be more flexible, hence Salesforce, and the fact that back in 2008, they went to an open API and how that they just exploded. After that, she talked about how having legacy tech and insure tech and how now NEON is considered indie tech, and when people think of indie tech, they might think of like some sort of out there thing, but it's, it stands for independent agents. Indie mm-hmm. tech. Um, so that is what neon is. It's now indie tech. Now, when she said the word indie tech and you were, this was a podcast, you basically like lost your collective mind. I did. Um, now here's what I want to ask you about all that. If we go back to chapter one, uh loyal listener in the book, it's see what the travel agent never saw. When you talked about Ringling brothers and Cirque du Soleil, and how you talked about animals, the animals are not insurance agents, but rather it's going to be the insurance company. Mm-hmm. What I would like to say is that legacy AMS's are the animals in the circus. Neon is Cirque du Soleil.
1: Hmm. I have not put them, those in those characters. I had never put the AMS in those characters. I had always done it on the other side. Um, And by the way, I'm right in my thought on that. And I can give you many examples of where the carriers are being cut out so that the reinsurers can have more of a direct access to us and to the client. Just FYI. But um, on the AMS side, that's very well said. And I could totally see that because, you know, when you think about it, there still are parts of the circus Mm -hmm. of Circus Soleil that are still in there. Like the people the acrobats isn't that funny those are always the common wow that's interesting broke that down a little more yeah but i no that's that's really well said i i do like this i want to say that ams's are not going away they're just being transformed right you can't understand it josh until you do it right you can under You say you understand, I'm not saying you, okay, but people who are are new parents who, let's say somebody's, their their wife is pregnant or they are pregnant if it's a woman, um, and before they're getting ready to have kids, you just think you know what it's going to be like, right? But once you see the kid, you experience it, you realize that you just transformed from a single person to somebody now who's a father right? That's transformation. And even though you can see it and your buddies have kids and all this, it's until you experience it. And that's what's so hard for Neon. It's experiencing. It's picturing that there's no animals in a damn circus, how boring that would be. Actually, it's really exciting. And they charge you 10 times as much money to do it. So, so yes. Good, Good analogy. I like that, brother. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And I am huge on indie tech. I love indie tech. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And it would be it would be exciting to for you to do, and this is me just thinking off the top of my head, for you to do a podcast series on the Indie Tech later this year in twenty twenty. Some of the people, things like Better Agency, um good good people. Yeah, yeah, Will Will Shaw, Nicholas Ayers, McBilly, uh mm-hmm. Preston, all those guys. So all
1: those guys, all those guys, <laughs> I love them guys. Oh, yeah. Preston, Billy, really the genius, all of it. He's got he, everybody else got his fool. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, let's move on to chapter five of the book, uh, which is Curb Appeal in the Virtual World. I'm Uh very exciting stuff. Um, one of my favorite things. And this is kind of how I started to meet more people because of the company that I started to use and actually that you use as well. Um, but let's look into the book. And the first things first, you always talk about you started your agency in a 50 foot, 56 square foot room in your yeah. basement. Did you actually measure it? And if you yeah.
1: did, I actually did. All right. Because I, I laid the floor in it and it was 12 by 12 inch t- tiles. So it was really easy. Okay. I all right. Okay. So I, I wanted to confirm that, you know, because sometimes what is that? Seven by eight? Yes. Yeah, so it's been a while. Yeah. Seven by eight? Yep. yep there it you is. go.
0: Okay. All right. So loyal listeners, it it is a true fact.
1: It's not yeah, it is. It's a real true fact. Yes. Right next to the laundry room. It was so loud, man. I had to tell my wife when she could do the laundry and couldn't, because you could just hear it right through the wall. Nice. Nice.
0: All right. So you start talking, um, you start off talking about people who question if you were going to be successful, which included your wife. Um, but you had the confidence that you would be able to earn people's trust. And you compared the internet to a huge mall, which now malls are almost extinct, um, and how your website would act as your virtual storefront. And then you wanted to talk about the three reasons that prospects and current clients visit your website. So the first is they're looking to communicate with you and where you need to display your contact information. They want to make a payment, which we talked about in the last episode may not be as big of a concern to you now as it was back then. Um, and I would agree with you because to me, I've never had an issue with my client seeing in their bank statement, their insurance company, you know, join mm-hmm. up. Yeah, and then the third thing is they need a quote and you do suggest that having a rater is ideal or having a quote form is the next best thing but here's what i want to break down and it was on our last episode that you said that the customer using your website or your method of payment isn't that big deal big big of a deal why do you feel that way and what has changed in the last five years to where it's not as big of a deal about the payment
1: if if we want to be partners we need to be partners and if we're not going to be partners we just need to not be i'm getting over the point and i'm here let me translate that i'm i'm getting over i was brought into this to um in this industry and trained um that uh indirectly that um we are our own it's like when the agents went from agency bill to direct bill they lost their shit. I mean, they lost their shit. You probably talked to Steve about it, but they lost their crap. They said, that's it. You're trying to take our customers, right? Mm -hmm. Every time we're trying to, oh, you're providing access to our customers for them to go get their own information. You're trying to take them away from us. So see, I was born into that in the insurance industry. So I just kind of thought of that. Yeah. But then once I became my own agency owner in 2010 and 2011 and then really started pumping around this time, I was still thinking that way as I was writing the book, but in the last five, six, seven years, I have to admit that that's, that's not that big of a deal. Um, it is. So for commercial lines, it's still a big deal, but I never expect my clients to go make the payment at my website. I just send them a link through ePay Policy and they make it there. Gotcha. Right? So So it's a different form of making it. If you want to say that's an extension of my website floating out there, right? I yeah. guess you could say. Um, also, a lot of times people don't like to go to websites and make, make their payments. They want to do it on their mobile app. Technology prevents me from having to be able to make that a seamless process for my client. Uh, Christopher Cook, I think he has like 30 walk-ins a day. I'm exaggerating that, but it's a lot. Wow. He would love for there to be a way that someone can make their damn payment you know, right online easily, easily. And so I think our carriers have created that. I also think that the customer is okay with going to Geico. I think that they're okay with going to State Farm. Mm -hmm. I think they're okay with going to Nationwide or going to Erie. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think they're okay with that. And I still think that at the end of the day, when the claim goes wrong, they're still calling Jason Cass. You know, I think it's okay. I think, you know what, I think our customers have more brain power than just to assume me or the company. And then also, if I want to ask the company to be a partner, I think we need to not be so much of a butthead of not using their technology. Now, what am I against? I'm against the agency or the company apps.
2: Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude. I'm not
1: against the apps because I think they're terrible or bad. It's just, I don't think it's a very good convenience for my customers. If I have you, we, I have your auto and home with Erie, but I have your motorcycle with Progressive. Right. And now we got to have two apps, right? So I'm not against that because of it's the company. I'm against it because of convenience for my customer, you know? So at the end of the day, I'm going to be a partner to my company and I want the smoothest transaction for my customer. And if that means I have to lower my ego, change my thoughts, I think that that's important. But what is important, Josh, mm-hmm. is payments are the most biggest touch point that your customer has with you. So for the veterans, well, not with us, but with their insurance policy. Yeah. So if to the veterans, I see their point. Yep. Why do you want to take away that, that, that touch point? Well, to the veterans, I would say we, we had them stop walking in our door. That was okay. So then, I don't want them to make their payment at all, where it bothers me. The other thing about payments, which really makes me mad, is is and it doesn't make me mad. We've shifted this, and Erie pushes back on is huge on this. Um, if it's a billing question, we transfer them warm transfer to the billing department. Because it's baloney, and you do a lot of your oh, yeah. own service work on some of your clients. You're calling, and then they the eerie, or I'm not saying eerie, anybody, the company, mm-hmm. it will say this and that. And then you call the customer back, and then the customer goes, well, what about this? And you're like, oh, damn. So then you get back on the phone. I mean, this is ridiculous, guys. And so, like, a lot of our carriers, progressive, Progressives one. They're like, send them. Yep. Don't even handle it. Send them to us. We're good. Just send it to us. And we're going to we're going to talk about you and ask them. hey, do you need Jason to call you or someone from the. And and I think that that's OK. I think if we let our guard down, I think we always need to stay attuned to someone's the animal in the circus. And we want to make sure it's not us. But you know who said that they don't want us to leave?
0: Who's that? The customer. Yeah. the
2: Customer has
1: said it over and over again. So.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, in, in our agency, we feel that we are insurance advisors. We're not billing advisors. We don't need to take the time away from helping our clients and figuring out why your payment changed. Like, that's not our job. Um
1: Now insurance advisors, not payment advisors are billing advisors. I like that. Yep. I'm going to use that internally in my office. There you go. All right. Um,
0: Now regarding the quote, because that's a big thing for some people. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And even in some, you know, groups, you've seen discussions about, you know, short form versus long form versus getting the quote on your website. So do you feel that providing like an actual quote, a Bindable quote on your website is necessary or do we need to kind of follow the Marcus Sheridan method of providing an idea of how the cost is calculated? Maybe some recent cost of policy sold to give the the consumer an idea, but not actually saying, oh, your auto insurance is $732.42 for the year. So do you think it's necessary to be able to actually give someone a bindable quote? or do they just need to get an understanding of cost and how it's calculated?
1: I'm gonna to have to say both okay. um, and it's legit. So this right here, everything we've talked about so far affects every independent insurance agent. Mm-hmm. We just now came to the first fork in the road and we're not gonna do what Yogi Bear says and take it. We have to decide that we're gonna look at left or right. And left is if we decide to go that way, um, a rater to us, we have one on our website. It's not important. What we do is we call somebody. If we realize that, hey, they're going to be just a monoline auto or monoline auto and home, not really fitting who we go, we send them the link. Say, hey, put in the information. Once you fill it out, we'll give you a phone call back and we'll review it. Okay. Then there's some people who, if, if it's a certain type of preferred client, we're going to try and do that all that online because it, or, or um, on the phone because it requires more. At the end of the day, we have to decide, and I'm really proud of the independent insurance agency system at this. We figured something out, and I don't think we realize we have because it doesn't have the longevity yet. We have figured out that there was non-standard and standard. And if you were standard, you probably didn't do a lot of online leads mm-hmm. because you were getting not that great a quality of person.
2: That actually has changed a little
1: bit, but is still true. What we did is we got smart as independent agents and that non-standard person said, you know what, I'll take those leads. But then that's where we split the road again. We have people like Mark, Mark Rogers, who's not a non-standard, Beth Rogers, uh, Mark and Beth Rogers out of Colorado, who said, I'm going to take these online leads. I'm going to figure out how to efficiently sell them very quickly. And I'm going to also train them and educate them that we're going to do the service, but very little of it and where it should go. And so someone like Mark, uh, Jeff, she is another one mm-hmm. who are writing 500, a million dollars. Jeff, she's writing 3 million in premium a month. That's insane. They, they figured out this high volume so it's almost and I don't want to call it that but it's the best way I can put it into your uh, into your guys's head loyal listeners it's almost like they've taken the non-standard agency and figured out how to make that run so fine-tuned see the old non-standard agencies Josh what they do is they say well the only way you can make a living is, is you have to charge fees right you have to set your agency up for fees well, I, don't would, I wouldn't say that those people I mentioned would disagree with that, but I think they would say that's not the only way. You don't have to do that anymore if you can get them efficiently through a raider
2: mm-hmm.
1: with a good quote by using a VA at low cost and being able to educate them at the time of sale where the service is going to be done. So we've we've went for our whole history of preferred non-standard. Now we've taken non-standard and we've kind of split that. Yeah. But then you can also split it again, is the fact if you're a commercial agent like me that tries to go after big whales, if we lost an online raider and we couldn't have it or other I mean it wouldn't change our business model one bit, and we'd be and we'd be fine with that. So very, very tough to say yes or no. That's why I answered that both ways. It all depends on your agency there
0: yeah one thing that we've talked about in our agency is how do we become more efficient and we've talked about internally or maybe externally branding it as lig express so where you can get the information where you don't have to talk with them and you set up automation and working with vas to where it's very little of someone in our office actually touching it and then you set up the automations for later on. So for the loyal listeners that do not, and I'm included in this, do not have the type of operation that a Jeff She is, which is writing three million a month. I think a lot of agencies would like to write three million a year rather than I know, right? A month. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. But if you can put together some sort of what I, I we're going to call express where you still provide good coverage because that's what independent agents are so focused on. It's the oh, Geico is just going to sell you the state minimum limits where you can provide the automation to be able to do that and then you send out automations later on to educate them i think that that's where independent agents will be able to grow and then they can focus on those more preferred high net worth whatever they want to call it type of things so yeah for you loyal listeners that don't have that three million dollar a month uh, operation don't think that this isn't something that you can do yourself because you can definitely do it and uh yeah
1: we're looking yeah jeff she's been open since september he has 16 million in premium i mean come on dude that's freaking ridiculous that's bigger than my agency and your agency put together yeah and like you know what i mean it's just freaking ridiculous but he's figured it out but it's also there is a lot of high burn, a lot of high churn. I mean, this is boiler room type stuff. Okay, I mean, this is this ain't this ain't lipstone or the oh, insurance no. line. No. But I do like I do like the insurance. I like Tia Express. God, I'm stealing so much from you. Yeah. That. Um. Because the reason I like this is, is Travis and I. Um, okay. So this is interesting because you talk about it in the quoting process. I'm more interested in, because once again, commercial lines, it's okay. So ours is just worried about the service. I like that because, um, one thing Nicholas Ayers told us a group of people four or five years, it was a while back. He said that whenever somebody calls in to make a change, he will then, um, send them a link and or give them an option, I should say. He'll say, hey, we have two ways of collecting this information. Uh, first way is, is I'll take down all the information and stuff like that and, 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 and get you your ID card. I, we're very busy, I don't know how long that's gonna take. Most time it takes anywhere between two to four hours or whatever he said, 24 hours or something. Or I can send you this link to your cell phone right now. You can click it, put in all the information. Usually works the best because the information you're putting in is right and correct. We're not losing it through communication. And also it goes right to our, exp- our Tia Express team and you're going to probably get that a lot faster which one would you rather do um i am saying this i used to get nose all the time hey i'll just have you do it i get way more people and i send it to my staff every time on team saying hey i just proposed that uh may my va you're going to get an incoming uh, endorsement on that i gave the option and that's the one they took because i'm always trying to put that in front of them so that they realize like okay jason's asking that um, we're a smaller agency. So Jason does answer the phone. Um, I'm the last man on the totem pole, but Jason still does answer it. And I love it too, especially when it's a billing question and I, they've shown me how they send them to billing. So I just do that. And my staff wasn't bothered. I love doing that stuff. Um, wish we had a, a, a like a line specifically just for billing or something, oh, yeah. you know, and it right to their company. But anyways, I think that, um, uh, Yeah, that's what I think.
0: Yeah. And I think think you can apply that to small commercial as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. absolutely. If you have a niche in there or you want to have a niche, you can definitely apply that to small commercial. I mean,
1: Billy Williams says you shouldn't ignore accounts that bring a low commission. And when you don't ignore them, how you do it is you give them low commission technology. That's not exactly what he says. But he says, if you know somebody is probably just calling you to get a quote, don't sit there and collect the information for 10 minutes and then get upset whenever they go down the road for $5 less. Send them the link and say, hey, put it in
2: there. Mm -hmm.
1: If you're really that serious, put it in there and then I'll I'll run it through and then I'll call you. And if the guy takes something else down the road for $5 less, well, what what work did you have in it, right? So that's a very good way of rather than doing like Jason Cass does and just shut those people out completely. It allows that way to come in. Here's why does Jason Cass shut them out? Because those type of people and I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that type of prospect refers that type of prospect. Oh, yeah, they do. That that is something that we forget, Josh. We think, oh, it only takes five or 10 minutes to do this. You know, I'll just go ahead and do this. Yeah, but they're going to send you a bunch of others, and those are not going to pay, and they are going to pay, and we have to think about that. We are who we hang around. So, anyway, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, what's the what's the saying that you're the um,
1: five closest people, people you hang around? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are the close
0: people. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for us, when we look. Um, we track if someone's been referred to our agent. we also track all the like how someone finds us we call it the source of business and whenever it's a referral and we look and we we see you know this client's been you know somewhat of an issue and we look and we see oh they were referred by so and so it makes sense yep,
1: yep. it does dude it does. and see, see that's the kind of shit right there Mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that our AMSs don't do. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah, you can put in a source of income and stuff, our source of business. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You shouldn't have had to go look at that. Your system, Neon, would tell you that that's the issue. Hey, you know that this isn't the type of client that you normally write. That's going to be fine. But hey, if you do want to write them, make sure you add these because people that look like them have this and all that. But what it does is it gives you that up front. I see some of these posts inside of Facebook and they'll be like, yeah, I was talking with this client and I got all the way through and then this happened. And this person said this and that. And I'm thinking to myself, how did that person even get through the filter to get to they can get a quote, right? Like, did you not ask questions up front? That's what we don't do. We don't ask questions up front. And I always like to say this in commercial lines too. The questions will get asked and the questions will get answered You either get to decide when they are or the insured will tell you when they are. And the insured usually tells you at the end after you've already done the work. Ask the question.
0: Yeah. the, uh, The baseline should not be, can someone fog a mirror to be able to get your time and attention for you to write a policy for them?
1: Some agents think that way, oh, but then at the same time, they're the ones that are stressed out all the time. Exactly. I mean, come on, figure they put themselves in misery.
0: Exactly. Um, now the final thing that I want to talk about regarding the three points is, um, found on page 29 and it's at the very top and it says, you say this Geico's website hits all three of these points, um, regarding, um, you know, communicating and, and things like that. Here's my better. question. And, and it's not meant to be hostile, but come on. Why are we as independent agents comparing ourselves to an insurance company when we provide something different? Why do we need to be like Geico mm. when we're not Geico?
2: Mm.
1: Mm. No, no, there's no better question there's no there's no answer. Yeah. We all know the answers. We shouldn't be. We should not be. Um
0: So the people that, and, and I think Zach Gold, um, I've listened to a few of his podcasts and he talks about Geico a lot. I think he's a big fan of Geico and whether you are, or you're not, I think Geico has a, obviously has a place in this industry and for the people that like and go to Geico are likely not your clients. Now maybe eventually they will be, but at their, current state in their insurance buying life, they are not the perf- the perfect fit for you. Again, they may be later on, but we have to stop comparing ourselves. And also, in my opinion, stop blaming GEICO for what they do or do not do. And just focus on what we can do as independent agents.
1: Yep. I actually wrote an article on it um, that, so at the keep in mind, loyal listeners, at the time of writing this book, five years ago, it came out six years ago is when I'm basically writing it. I know it sounds crazy, but there was no cover hound. Mm-hmm. Right? There wasn't Insurion. There wasn't uh, all you know, Insurify. Right. You know, there, there wasn't all these places. So we we looked at Geico as wow, they're keeping an online person and blah, 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 blah. And the big cities, they're starting to go after more of the preferred risk because the city rates are so much higher that they're competitive there, right? But, anyways, you are right about that. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I want to say is I, I wrote an article. Do you remember? Maybe even I did a podcast on it. I totally forgot about it until you just brought this up. Um, it's called uh, Super Mario Brothers or How Why is Geico like Super Mario Brothers or I something not- like that? I wrote this article um or, or a blog or something i can't remember anyways what well, what it said was is if you played super mario brothers um you would go through all the stages you would get to stage what is it nine three mm-hmm. or whatever and you get to the very end and you're at the castle right and if you played mario brothers you're feeling me right now if you haven't i'm sorry it's it's timeless except if you've never played it and so i i'm you're getting to the end and right as you get to the end You get, you climb up the stairs, you know, you've went through all of the fire and stuff and you kind of come up to the stairs and there's the bridge and you look and there is, there is the princess on the other side, right? And the only thing standing in between you and Bowza, or or you and her is Bowza. the, and I think that's his name. My best friend's name is Bowza, and I always get it confused. But anyways, um, Bowza, and he's there and he's bouncing up and down, you know, and shooting fireballs. And I mean, you can't do it, dude. You try You try to run under him, you try to, you try to fight him, you try to, and you just can't do it. Mm -hmm. And like what I found out one day is that my buddy, there was a way you could beat him, but my buddy figured out, he said, watch, if you do this and you watch what he's doing and you run right at him, take three steps, you jump, you jump right over him and you win. Mm -hmm. That's what we make Geico. We make the customer the princess. We make Bowser Geico, Mm -hmm. and we try to battle it every damn day Right, when we have to really realize it's nothing – it's no superpower that we have that's going to beat it. It's a monster. It's Mm -hmm. huge. They're really good at what they do. They've always had the princess – Quit freaking freaking out, man. Just take two or three steps, jump over them, and get the princess. Exactly. That was my, that was my blog. Well, so well, I thought hopefully, it was pretty
0: good. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes so that people can go back and uh, listen to that. And for those of you that have been came up
1: with this shit when I was younger. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I mean, and for those of you who have never played Super Mario Brothers, you can go buy like an old school Nintendo or something like that because it's going to change your life. For it, is awesome. um, it is awesome. It is awesome. Well, there are a few more things um, that you talk about that are on your website, but my advice for a website um, is this, call Advisor that, that That's the easy. Thing. <laughs> just call just call, contact. No, don't call. I mean, it's 2020. Don't call. Go. I ahead. mean,
1: where has it changed though, right? Yeah. Like, let's look at this real quick. Visible yeah. contact information. That's important, yep. right? That's duh. Exactly. And you wouldn't yeah. believe how many times, why I had to put that here because how many websites didn't have it. It was above really the crazy. Fold.
0: Above the oh, fold, right? yeah.
1: above the fold. And then an appropriate uh, well composition call to action. That's mm-hmm. still very, very important, yes. depending on what it is. Uh, capture the prospect's email. Mm. I, I've never. That's never been like a real huge driving factor, but I yeah. will say that Advisory Evolve has some nice things that you leave. And oh like, yeah. I can't, what do they call them? They pop up and yeah, say- Yeah, just a pop up to get
0: like yeah, an agent report, yep.
1: Allow prospects to get a quote. Yes, customers to make payments. We discussed that more to come in this chapter A Build on social media buttons. I think that those are important, but I don't think that they're important. I mean, let me say this. I think that they you can have them, but I don't think they're important. That's what well, I meant one, to say. One
0: thing about social media real quick, and this is what um, amazes me about agency Facebook pages. And yeah, I think that this is different in 2020 as it was in 2015. If you look at some of the what I'll call the larger followings of agency Facebook pages where someone has a thousand, two thousand, three thousand fans followers, whatever we want to call them, they'll make a post. Oftentimes, they'll get a couple likes, one, two likes. Maybe if it's a good one, it's seven to ten likes. I think it's really interesting that you can have three thousand people that like your page and you only get a couple people to interact with mm-hmm. it. I've really weird it is it's it's very weird i think we can go on for a long time but um, i
1: also think people are stalkers yeah. so a lot of people see your stuff they just don't click on it yeah um you know what's really, really crazy also real quick about this yeah in the book i say facebook has 1.35 billion mm-hmm.
0: users yeah
1: i just sitting here listening to you talk i was like i wonder how many they have now this yeah. is no shit i go in here and look it's 2.6 billion Literally doubled. Wow. I mean, literally right after the double. In five years, it doubled. And it just didn't double from like 10 to 20. Yeah. I and mean, we're talking about billions. You know what I, I mean? know. But I thought it was ironic that it was literally almost uh, the, the right at the That's double. That's like so,
0: a third so of So adding a, a
1: blog is important. Wow. Adding a blog is important. That will yeah. always be important. It allows uh, Google to be able to index you, optimize your website for a mobile device. That's funny because people did not know about that today. If you mm-hmm. don't know about that, I mean, I think it was – uh. I'm literally April 21st of 2018, Google came out and said, we're going to downgrade you. If you don't have a mobilized one, yep. we're going to upgrade you if you do. Um, and then the the other thing, though, let's talk about what Advisory Evolve has, though. Quote nope. vids. That's something we didn't have here, right? Nope. Where we were doing quote videos. I have to say Ryan Sotman. Uh, who worked with my agency back in 2014, 2015. Oh. He used to he used to do these videos uh, and he would send the links from YouTube. Mm-hmm. So he would do those. Um, but if you don't know Advisor Evolved, tons of different stuff. Um, when it comes to doing the quote vid where I can record that, I can send that, it's secure, it tracks, it tells me when the customer watches it. Yes. Um, yes, you can do some stuff like this on Loom. It's not an all-in-one service like you're gonna get an Advisor Evolved. If you have Advisor Evolved and you go do the Loom way, you'll realize It's like pieced together Um, some of the stuff they do with the cards that they have that pop up online. Those are very, very important to people being able to see that some of the SMS technology that he has working with this. What I'm trying to get at here is I'm not this is not an advisor evolved commercial, even though it could be. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I'm saying is, is it has to do with look how our website has progressed right? Our website is now so much more. I mean, some of our websites, you can store documents there. This literally has become our house, right? This wasn't, this used to be when five years ago when I was writing this, this almost was kind of like our summer home, Yep. We kind of had some of our stuff there, but we didn't have a lot of our stuff there. Now we have integrations in between our website that connect into our digital ecosystems of Teams and Slack and they're con- they're communicating with each other. Yep. I just got this new program for NEON that I have to start using that Advisory Evolves helping me sl- uh, sl- uh, slip out on my forms that tracks all the data in ways you've never even thought about tracking. As they're putting their information in, the algorithms and the AI technology is scanning every other person who's filled out a form and that type of person and all this stuff that is happening those are all extensions off of our website so why some of the stuff we still need god this is so 2015 yeah but the stuff that we need today i'll be honest with you you're probably your management system i'm excuse me your website provider does not provide it no um especially the way that uh chris does at advisory Evolved, he's so good yeah so good so freaking good
0: Let's, uh, here's my one final thought, and then we're going to wrap things up. So, wrap it. Are you familiar with a show on NBC called The Blacklist? Have you ever heard of it?
1: Yes, actually, I have. I've watched uh, four or five seasons. It's been a yes. while, but yes.
0: So, yes. so <laughs> the main character, his name is Raymond Reddington, he's a notorious <laughs> criminal. But to me, he has a vast wealth of what I call surface knowledge. And what I mean by that is that he has a very high level of understanding of his entire business. Now, he doesn't know the intricate details of each thing, but he understands the final outcome. But he's not the one who's doing it. He's not the one that's hacking into a CIA database or he's not the one that Mm -hmm. is, you know, making whatever um, illegal things. He has experts that handle those things and they execute for him. And that's what each agency owner needs to be. They need to be the Raymond Reddington of their agency. They need to know everything about their agency, but they don't need to do everything. They need to hire people, whether it's for your website, um, so that your website is appealing to Google, how blogs work. You don't need to build your website. So, for those of you who have built it on a Wix or you know Squarespace or wherever, you don't need to do that. You need someone like Advisor Vault, or you just yeah. need Advisor Evolved. Have that high level, but then have someone do it for you.
1: That's exactly right. Think of a symphony. Mm. It's one of the best examples I've ever heard. Yeah, the, the people who are playing the instruments do not create the music. The conductor does. Yes if they didn't have the conductor, they would all sound like crap. If you just had just the horns play and not the drums play, you're not getting the whole thing. It's the composer who's making the music. It really, true. excuse me, it's the composer that's creating the song, that's creating the symphony, right. you know that's making everything happen. But the dude has like a little piece, a stick in his hand, right? And there's probably some name for that. I'm just not big into that here in Southern Illinois. We don't have a lot of orchestras and symphonies. And so, you know, and so he's doing that. That's what our job is. Yeah. That that that's what Raymond Raymond's job was. You know, yeah. he he's just the dude who knows what's going on. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, no one says that horn player messed it up. No one ever says that one or that person messed it up. The composer is yes. always the one that when shit goes wrong, it's their fault. When everybody says that was the best sounding orchestra or symphony I've ever heard, that's because of the musicians, yep. not because of the composer. Know the difference and you'll be able to lead a team and an agency and a business and an organization in your family when you know the difference.
0: That's well said. Well said. Well, again, I want to thank you, Jason, for providing me this platform to explain your book to you and getting your feedback on it. I'm excited about our next episode. Mm -hmm. You, the loyal listener, thank you for being here today. Remember to be safe, be healthy, and love everyone. This has been Josh Lipstone with Explain This Book to Me.